hear us through your AirPods or see us on your laptop, how about meeting us in real life? Because we're taking Queer Money on the road this summer and fall. Visit QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player to find out when we'll be in your neighborhood. You've been diligent and you've done the work. You've made some mistakes along the way, but come on, who hasn't? But you know, you could have been a little bit more diligent. You did a good enough job and your hard work to retirement is about to pay off. Like within the next 10 years, it's on the horizon. Right. So what do you do between now and then to make sure there are no delays? You're listening to Queer Money episode number 364. And today we're sharing important steps you'll want to take to ensure you retire according to plan within the next 10 years. Now on with the show. You're listening to the Queer Money Podcast, personal finance with a rainbow twist. Queer Money is dedicated to financial independence, financial well-being, investing knowledge, and the intersection of all things money as an LGBTQ person. Queer Money is made possible by Capital One. Capital One believes that financial well-being includes your mental, physical, and financial health. Check out CapitalOne.com today. So we did a poll in 2022, and many of the respondents to that poll, Queer Money listeners, told us that they are focused on retirement. They want to make sure they retire within the next 10, 15, 20 years. They want to make sure they do it right. It's on the horizon. So they asked us to start covering more retirement topics. And serendipitously, we're (laughs) having these same discussions between the two of us. So this is a timely discussion for hopefully a lot of us, including David and me. We wanted to provide some tools for and tips for those of you who have done the hard work, you're ready to retire, it's on the horizon in the next five or 10 years. As David said in the outset, probably could have done a little bit better here and there, but who couldn't? (laughs) You didn't sabotage yourself. Right. So it is on the horizon. And so now you're thinking to yourself, what are the critical steps that I take between now and then to make sure my retirement happens within the time frame that I would like? Right. So you're the B plus, A minus, <laughs> A student when it comes to what you've done to be prepared for retirement. So exactly. let's help you get a little extra credit. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> We're going to be talking a little bit more about retirement in the coming episodes. This is the first one we're kicking off, obviously, for 2023. We're going to cover more topics to, so that more of you feel like you're prepared and you have what you need in place to make sure your retirement tire on time. So here we go. We've got several steps. I think it's nine. Yeah, Maybe I it's so. eight. I can't remember. We've been adding to it I as we've been it. editing. <laughs> so uh, David, why don't you kick us off? Right. So first of all is... I know you probably have done a little bit of this, but maybe do it a little bit more so you can get crystal clear. And that is daydream about what retirement is going to look like for you and your partner or partners, right? What is it that you really want? Spend that time getting clear what retirement really is going to be so that you know what you have to do to build it and live it. Think about things like, what do you want to do in retirement, right? Are you going to retire on a golf course? (laughs) I mean, there are plenty of people who do it. Actually, one of our friends is living temporarily in the villages. And of course, she shared with us that there is a rather large contingent of lesbians who live there and they love golf, right? So (laughs) that may be your thing, right? Or do you want to travel a little bit or a lot? I mean, we know queers love to travel. So keep that in mind. Or are you thinking about maybe working part-time or volunteering while you're in retirement? All those are the kinds of things that kind of help inform what retirement is going to look like for you. For some people, it's the time to maybe start on a second career, like a small business or something like that, especially for folks who 
who maybe need to make sure that they are bringing in a little bit of income during retirement besides what their uh, investments may bring them. And also, we know a lot of folks, actually, we have people who reach out to us on a semi-regular basis asking about where are good places to retire, both in the United States and outside the United States. So where are you going to retire? That's, I think it's an important point because a lot of people are looking for cost-saving options when it comes to retirement. Yeah, especially because healthcare is so expensive in the US and looking for lots of places outside. Portugal seems to be a very popular destination for folks these days. It's so interesting. And I think maybe it frustrates some people how every time they ask questions about, you know, how do I how do I pay off my debt fast or how do I prepare to for retirement? So often the nucleus of that planning comes with getting crystal clear on what it is you want to do in life? What is it you want that to look like? Why do you want to pay off your debt? Well, what do you want retirement to look like? I think a lot of us know that we want to retire because we want to stop working. We don't want to go into the office anymore. We don't want to have to do any more Zoom calls anymore, right? (laughs) Because it's 2023. But what's beyond that? What are you going to do when you don't go in the office? Only, only You can only lie in bed for so long watching morning news shows, right? Our puppies would tell you <laughs> otherwise. <laughs> otherwise, you can do that every single day, almost all day long. So what is it you, you want that to look like? And this is a conversation that you and I are having more, I think, realistically than ever before, in part because you know, we started the house hacking process and started to build our real estate portfolio. But why are we building the real estate portfolio? What are we hoping to accomplish with that? We've talked, I think, sort of a daydream kind of way of retiring over in Europe. And I think now it seems like that's becoming more and more probable or or possible than ever before. So is that actually what we want to do? And we're having that serious conversation. So you, if you're alone or with your partner or partners, Get crystal clear on what that should look like for you so that you have the retirement that you want to have. Right. Tip number two is to then map out the resources that you'll need to have that retirement, right? So everything comes with the cost, right? You need to figure out what it's going to cost to move across country or move across the globe, what it's going to cost to start your business, what golfing every day is going to cost you for the membership and the golf carts and the fancy pants, all that <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you know, what is what are the what are all those things going to cost? And so, yeah, it's going to be mostly money. So what do you have with your retirement accounts? All the retirement accounts that you have, as well as what can you expect to get from social security? If you're not entirely sure, go to ssa.gov forward slash my account and open up your my account and check out what you've got coming for you in social security. But then are you going to need to offset anything? Are you, do you see any sort of shortfalls in what you're going to need to be, to be able to have the lifestyle and the type of retirement that you want? Do you need to maybe consider getting an annuity? Talked about annuities a couple of times in 2022. If you're not familiar with how annuities work and whether or not they're appropriate for you, we encourage you to listen to episode 307. If you're not entirely sure what retirement is going to cost you, because that's actually a a big number to calculate, we encourage you to listen to episode 326, where we talk about how to calculate your retirement number. And we provide a couple of formulas, standardized formulas in there that you can use to see what retirement is going to cost you. There's the Fidelity's savings to income ratio, the income multiplier, the spending multiplier, the 25X rule, the 4% rule, which is now the 4.4% rule. There's a whole host of options you can consider. Find the one that's right for you to help you predict how much money you're going to need when you retire. But don't forget the most critical expense, probably the most, the biggest expense you're going to probably have is going to be your healthcare expenses. Yeah. I think it was in, um, I don't know if it was last year or two years ago, 
there was an article in CNBC that talked about the average individual in retirement will spend about $258,000 on healthcare. Ouch. Yeah. That's a, it's a crazy amount. So it just kind of, that clues you into how much you will need to have when it comes to retirement, especially if you want decent healthcare when you're getting older. And isn't that about the number that the USDA says it costs to raise a child from birth to 18 years old? I think it's pretty close. It it was pretty close. I think that was $243,000 several years years ago. Might be higher. Well, definitely higher now with inflation. Right. Yeah, so <laughs> you're getting hit on the on the end with having kids and getting hit on the end with having so health care. Many of our listeners have not had kids paying for health care expenses should be easy breezy. No, yeah, right. <laughs> so but again, right, right. So you you crunch the numbers and if you feel like you're gonna have a shortfall to be able to have the retirement that you want, then you have to ask bigger questions like, do we need to downsize? Do we need to sell the home that we're in? Do we want to go into something smaller? Do we need to get rid of a car because we don't necessarily need to have two cars because we're not both going to work all the time? Are we going to move to a lower cost city if we're geo arbitrage? Geo arbitrage, right? We've talked about that several times on the podcast. You know, if you're currently living in a big city so you have access to a great job, do you want? Are you going to maybe migrate to a, a, a smaller city, a town, or something that's a little bit less expensive, as we're experiencing going from Las Vegas to Toledo? So, kind of get again. Playing off of number one, getting crystal clear on what you want retirement to look like, and then getting crystal clear on what that's going to cost you and how you're going to make ends meet. Right. You can't plan for what you don't know, but if you know, then you can plan. Right. So that's kind of the the David thinks in tweets these days. <laughs> that's I think that's the that's what these first two points are about. Right. Know what it is that you want so that you can plan ahead for that. You've done some whether it's it was intentional or haphazard, you've done some planning for retirement by setting the money aside. Now it's even more important. I think one of the other things, step number three here is to diversify your portfolio and invest for growth. A lot of advice out there is built around what your portfolio should makeup should be is focused on age. You know, so they're basically saying if you're this age subtracted from 100 or 110, and that's what the percentage of you should have in stocks and then the rest in bonds or in cash. Well, one of the things that John and I really remember from the, I don't know if it's traumatic days that we were at Schwab or what, but the days when we were at Schwab is we read Charles Schwab's book, You're 50, Now What? And it was that was one of the takeaways we took from this book was that you should always be investing for growth, no matter what age you're at, but especially because of the fact that there is inflation and because of those high healthcare costs. So you want to make sure your portfolio is a good mix of stocks, bonds, mutual funds, ETFs, and other assets. But again, focusing on how do you keep that money growing so that you can continue to withdraw money from it. That's the one of the key points with the 4% rule or 4.4% rule is that your portfolio has to grow so that you can continue to take that 4% out and hopefully not run out of money. Yeah, I think people, as they get closer to retirement, especially in retirement, they think, oh my God, I've got to be able to hold on to all of this money because I need to make it last until the day I die. And they get fearful. And so they want to go to bonds and even cash as somebody very close to us has been in 100% cash for the last couple of years. But you got to think about <laughs> what it is you're giving up by being in all cash or, or bonds. Inflation, the last I looked, and when this gets published, it might be different, but I think it was like 7.1%. Right. So 
you're definitely not getting 7.1% return in cash. And I don't know how far out your bonds have to be before you get that kind of return. <laughs> or how uh, risky. Or risky, exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you're 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 losing money if you're just in those more conservative investments. So you have to factor that in. Yeah, it's nice to be able to say, I'm gonna hold on to this five hundred one million dollars and not 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 lose any of it. But if you're not investing for growth to at least keep up with inflation, you're losing money over time. Yeah. And remember, a portion of your portfolio should be in cash. And, yeah. and don't forget to count your emergency savings as part of that cash portfolio. When you get into retirement, it's you're going to need, most likely need a little bit more money in emergency savings because you don't necessarily have the ability to hit the pedal when it comes to what you're bringing in for income, right? You can't work extra hours or cut back on your expenses to use more of your income towards your emergencies. And of course, we're going to recommend that if you have a cash portfolio and you're saving for emergency, put it in a Capital One 360 savings account, which the last time I checked was earning over 3%. I wanted to say it was 3.1 or or higher, obviously, at the time of this recording. So that could change depending on what we see the Fed do with interest rates in the next couple of weeks. Allegedly, they're not increasing rates anymore but before the end of the year. But we Allegedly, shall like Kathy I guess we only have Griffin two, says. We only have like two weeks left. <laughs> anyway. Step number four is to then maximize all of your opportunities for contributions, such as health savings account or HSAs, contributions into your retirement accounts. And also, if you're 50 or older, you have available to you catch-up contributions. So for health savings accounts, the contribution maximum for 2023 is $3,850. That's up from $3,650. Definitely want to try to put as much in there as possible. It's a great resource to use even while you're still working, but it'll be especially while after you're done working to be able to tap into those resources for medical needs. That can actually, you can contribute up to $7,750 for family. That's and then two people or more. So two people we make more, a yeah. family, oh, yeah. <laughs> we, can, we can contribute that much. Keep in mind that yeah. after you reach the age of 59 and a half, you can actually take distributions from your health savings account for expenses other than medical needs. Right. So it's almost like when you, when you reach a 59 and a half, it turns into just a retirement savings account. You can use it for whatever you would like. There is no qualifier or penalty that is applied if you use it for something other than medical benefits. Right. Now, if you're contributing to a company-sponsored retirement plan, such as a 401k or 403b of the like, your contribution, maximum contributions for 2023 are $22,500. If you're 50 or older, you can tack on an additional $7,500. So that's huge. Huge, right? That's the thirty thousand dollars. So, you know, if you're fifty or older and you feel like you would do well to have a little bit more in retirement before you actually give your boss the pink slip, I would say, <laughs> um, or the middle know, finger. <laughs> take advantage of that catch-up contribution for individual retirement accounts, traditional or Roth IRAs. The contribution maximum for 2023 is six thousand five hundred dollars. That's up five hundred dollars from 2022. And the contribution, catch-up contribution for that is still $1,000. So you could give a total of $7,500 into your Roth or traditional IRA if you're 50 or older. Yeah. You know, it's interesting when we look at these, these numbers here, if you are a couple who are over 50, you potentially could be putting in over $50,000 towards your retirement. So we've got your 401k contributions, which would be 30,000. Actually, it's over 
it's almost $70,000. Yeah. So $30,000 each for your 401k contributions, uh, $7,500 each for Roth or traditional IRA contributions. So that right there puts you at $75,000 and then the 7750 for HSA. So you're over eighty thousand dollars right you know if you have that kind of money right now if your income is at that level this is a great way not only to bring your tax liability down for the year but it's also a great way to really hit the pedal when it comes to adding to what you have for retirement yeah and if you're thinking that we're a little bit twisted to think that you might actually have access to this kind of cash again go back to number one what is it you want your retirement to look like and then number two what are other ways some ways you can offset any disparities that you might have between what you want your retirement to look like and the, the possibility with the the money that you currently have now 10 years out might be the time to start downsizing maybe we don't need such a big house or maybe there are things you own that you don't necessarily need to need to hold on to you can sell maybe you can get a part-time job start your own side hustle you know as we've talked about before number of ways to to be able to take advantage of those catch-up contributions and that 80 plus thousand dollars that you could contribute this year but now's the time to start thinking about that while you're 10 years out give yourself that wiggle room yeah i'll also add some some of you listening may be thinking to yourself well we don't make that kind of money but the reality is is that based on the survey that we did earlier, there's a percentage, I think it's over 25% of people who replied to the survey have a household income of over $150,000. So we do have some high earners listening to the podcast. We want to provide them with options. It's just like we provide individuals with low income options. So, all right. Point number five here is to get into that consolidation thing, right? Roll over your accounts that were at previous employers. It's amazing. This statistic it's always shocking to me because I think it shows how many people don't really understand where their money is at. Mm -hmm. But in May of 2021, American workers had left $1.35 trillion behind in accounts that they had at their former employer and they hadn't rolled them over. That's according to Capitalize. They used data that came from retirement research, the Department of Labor, and other data to find that information. So we encourage you, if take the time, even if you worked only worked for a company for less than a year, go back and see, do I have money at in a retirement account? They may not have had forwarding address information on you, but especially if you already know that it's back there, get it into, okay. roll it over into a, either a traditional IRA, a rollover IRA, a Roth IRA, especially if it was already a Roth. 401k, get that money over into a place where you have the ability to manage it the way that you want to have it managed or invested the way that you want to, instead of in those mutual funds or ETFs that oftentimes had high fees because those fees would kick back to the comp your parent company. Exactly. <laughs> company. Or especially make sure that if, if you've got assets with previous employers, company-sponsored retirement plans, that sitting in cash. Yeah. That would be horrible. And I we can't tell you how when we, the days when we were, used to be on the phones taking customer service calls, we can't tell you the number of people who would call in close to retirement only realizing that this decades their money's been sitting in cash yeah. getting the, no growth. And that, I mean that feels good when the market's down, but if you go look back for years and years and years and the market has been up, it does hurt. <laughs> Exactly. So step six is to research Medicare benefits before you turn age 63. Now we got Medicare benefits. 
It's a four-part system, right? We have part A, which is covers inpatient hospital coverage, part B, which covers outpatient medical coverage. Like part, your doctor. Part exactly. Part C is an alternative way to get medical benefits through either Medicare Advantage or a Medicare private healthcare option. And then part D covers prescriptions. David's going to have to help me out here because this is a little bit confusing, <laughs> but there are various thresholds according to the income related monthly adjusted amount that can help you reduce your expenses for Medicare Part B and D. Right. David, take it over. So basically the way this works is when you sign up for Medicare, you pay a premium, just like when you sign up for any healthcare plan or your employer has you sign up for a healthcare plan, you pay a premium. And that premium is calculated on the amount of money that you earned the two years prior to you signing up. That's why we we really say if you're 63 or near the age of 63, you really want to pay attention to this. So basically what happens is you are required to sign up for Medicare, either anywhere between three months before you turn 65 or three months after you turn 65. So there's a seven month window there. It's the three months before the month that you turn 65 and the three months after. If you sign up during the, that time period, you're signing up at the correct time. If you wait until after, there are some penalties. But when you sign up, your premium or how much you pay every month for your health care is dictated by how much you earned or what you reported on your taxes the two prior years. So the years that you were 64 and the year you were 63. And the premium, this what's called income-related monthly adjusted amount, is basically what that means is that, that the amount that you pay is adjusted higher if you earn more. So you want to find out if you're at if you and your partner are at or you individually are at or close to one of those thresholds, it actually may be a smart idea for you to taper off or try to earn a little bit less during those years, find ways to bring your income down. You could be right if you have personal or taxable investments, this may be the time to try to write off some of your losses to bring your income down. So there's a variety of ways you can do this to bring your income down so that you then don't have the higher premium when you're signing up for and paying for Medicare. Or this is all the more reason to try to contribute as much as you can to 401ks, HSAs, traditional IRAs. Yeah to lower your reported income. Yeah, exactly. John and I plan on having an episode of the podcast specifically about Medicare, Medicare benefits, and when you should be signing up, but look forward to that later in the year. We're not there yet. <laughs> nope. <laughs> All right. Step number seven, pay off any unnecessary debts. And what's interesting about this is John and I watch this kind of information when we see articles in the financial media, more and more and more retirees are retiring with a lot of debt. And it's not just that they have mortgage debt, which wasn't that uncommon, but what we're seeing is now a lot more retirees are retiring with student loan debt, whether they retired early or they're retired at 65, 70, they may have gone back to school later in life and still haven't paid that off. And more and more people are retiring with credit card debt. The difficult part about this is that that basically is saying that you have money in the future or 
money that you, yeah, your future money is already reserved. So when you think about how much money you have for retirement, remember, you're going to have to cut out portions of that to pay off this debt. You can't stop paying the debt off when you stop working. You're going to still have to pay that off. So go back and listen to episode 190 of the Queer Money Podcast. That is, this episode is about doing a spending analysis. It also helps you understand where you can maybe cut some of your costs so that you can focus on paying that debt off, especially in these last 10 years before retiring. Yeah. I read an article by Todd Trusteter, the financial mentor. He was on episode number 50 of the podcast, but a completely separate platform. He wrote an article and he said, every 10% increase in spending can add up to three plus years until you can actually retire because it decreases your savings and also increases the threshold of spending assets that you must use to cover those expenses. So having this additional debt can really kind of, I don't know how else to say it, but get you at both ends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, you want to, you want to try to decrease, minimize that as much as possible because you don't want to have that going into retirement. You want to make sure you have that money reserved to have the lifestyle that you want to have. Right. This is, I think is, is a, a, an especially important point for folks who don't have a whole lot saved for retirement because you may be saying to yourself, okay, I've got this amount coming from social security. I'm going to get this amount from my investments. Phew, I've, I can just barely survive on this. Well, remember if you have to pay an extra hundred, 200, 300, 500, a thousand dollars towards debt, then you may not have a, whew, I can survive on this. You may still be falling behind. Yeah. So if, if that regard, you're 10 years out or so, we're kind of, this is the theoretical model. You may want to consider working more hours, getting a part-time job, getting a new job that pays more, all of what, whatever you need to do, as we talked about ad nauseum on this podcast, <laughs> to pay off your debt as quickly as possible and follow the debt lesson method to do so. Step number eight, now don't wait any longer to consider getting long-term care insurance. There's a good chance you... I think my thought is, not knowing everybody's unique situation, my thought is, is almost everybody needs to get long-term care insurance just because healthcare is so expensive. And especially when you're at those very, very late years in life, when the long-term care insurance would kick in, that is really expensive. And you don't want to be nickel and diming yourself at that stage of your life. And a study came out by AARP a couple of years ago that said the lifetime probability of becoming disabled and needing long-term care is 68% for people who are 65 and older. So it skyrockets increasingly exponentially after you turn the age of 65. So don't wait any longer at the age of 50 in that barrier, that 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 about that age 50 point, struggling with my words here, <laughs> is when you want to really consider getting long-term care insurance. And if you're going to do it, do it now. Right. Listen to Queer Money episode number 71 with Ryan Taylor. We talked pretty in depth about long-term care insurance, the value that it provides and the best time to get it. And that's actually something that David and I will be looking at getting in the next year or so. Yeah. Ourselves. It, yeah, it's I think if you're I think Ryan said if you're between the ages of about 45 and 55, that's kind of the sweet spot of when you be really should be thinking about and signing up for it. Because after that, if you get after 55 or so, then you can you can still get it, but it's going to cost you considerably more. Yeah. And you want to again, we're trying to mitigate unnecessary costs, so getting your long-term care insurance at an optimal time makes sense. Yeah. Then the ninth point, dum, dum, da, dum. <laughs> get married. If you are with somebody, you've been with them for a long time and you're not married and you plan on being with this person for the rest of your life, get married. Uh, I'll even say if you know, we've all had that best friend or whatever where we said, you know, if we're not married by X age, we're just going to get married to each other. Do it. And it was always joking, <laughs> right? 
now's the time to actually do it because of all the benefits that come with it. If, if you and your best friend are, are still single for whatever reason, get married. You can still pretend you're plutonic. Platonic. Platonic. But you can still take advantage of the social security survivor and spousal benefits only after you're married. Yeah. I mean, you can just say you're poly now, right? Yeah. You're poly now. <laughs> whatever you got to do, get those benefits. Right. We fought for them. You want to take advantage of them. They're Plus, there are over 1,100 other benefits that come with marriage. And so now's the time to think about that. And especially the the survivor and spousal benefits, this is really an important one because many of us think that we can make it on our own with our own finances, but some of us are not quite there, right? So having a little extra when it comes to social security, if you marry somebody who's earning a little bit more than you, then you have that benefit of getting a little bit more. It's a a great feature. And we talked about this in depth on episode 54 of the podcast with David Freitag of Mass Mutual. Then this past year, we did episode 314, where we talked about the changes that have happened in 2022 when it comes to social security benefits for same-sex couples, especially folks who were listed as a domestic partner prior to marriage equality in 2015. Right. right. So prior to marriage equality, there's some huge tax benefits. We know that some people are getting tens of thousands of dollars from social security because they didn't qualify before. So go back back and listen to that episode 314. Exactly. So in summary, step one, (laughs) daydream your perfect retirement. Step two, map out necessary resources. Step three, diversify your portfolio and invest for growth. Always invest for growth. Step four, maximize HSA contributions, retirement accounts, and any other catch-up contributions that you can avail yourself to. Yeah. Five, consolidate those accounts, do a rollover, get that money away from your employer-sponsored account into yourself so you can manage it and hopefully pay less in fees. Six, Research Medicare benefits. There's some huge opportunities there. Seven, pay off the debt, whether that's credit card debt, mortgage debt, or student loans. Get that paid off so you can lower your expenses in retirement. Don't wait to investigate or consider long-term care insurance. And as we just said, get married. Now, stay tuned for your career money takeaway from this episode. Make sure to check out more ways that Capital One can help you achieve financial well-being at CapitalOne.com. That's CapitalOne.com. Thank you for listening to another episode of the podcast. Here's your core money takeaway from this episode. Your assignment for the first nine weeks of 2023 is to sit down either by yourself or with your partner and each weekend check off one of these nine steps that we talked about in this episode complete all nine none of these steps in and of themselves especially the first one is hard but just make the time and complete them exactly then join us this thursday for another quick money bonus episode where we dive deeper into the motley fool debt-free guys lgbtq plus money study and next tuesday for our regularly scheduled episode on hedonic forecasting and how to stop making yourself miserable with dr randy patterson Thank you and have a great week. From Los Angeles, California to Winooski, Vermont, we're taking Queer Money on the road. Join us as we gamify personal finance with Queer Money Bingo or catch our signature Live Fabulously, Not Fabulously Broke Talk and so much more in between. Check out QueerMoneyPodcast.com forward slash tour or the link in your podcast player regularly for date and location updates.